Hi everybody, I am Stephen St. Clair and Sadie K. Frazier and guess what it is Saturday not Sunday not Sunday but it is still have coffee we'll travel except we're kind of without coffee and we're not at home we're not at home we decided because it was nice out to get some sunshine so we're actually on our favorite hiking trail and we're just kind of Soaking in the D. Hear the birdies Sadie. singing. Sadie. We're soaking in the D, Sadie. It was t- time to get up and get moving. And I would encourage you to do the same thing, no matter where you're at. As long as weather permits, I should say. Don't go out if there's tornadic weather. And I mean, that, that could be fun, too. But, <laughs> then, you then you might be running. There's no place like home. So let's talk a little bit about why we started this journey in the first place and how far we've come. And you'll have to excuse us if we're out of breath because this is the first time literally since last, like, what, October, November? Yeah, anniversary. That we've even been out of the house and walking. This is our first official walk. We'll have to date this. Yay! We should have done a live, too. We'll have to do that while we're out here. It's a little chilly. Eh. But that's okay because your body will... Not if you're in menopause. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thermonuclear reactor all right so last was it may last yeah, may birthday. i went to the doctor because our doctor moved or retired whatever she did so we decided to stick with our same practice but we had to switch physicians and it was time for my yearly physical anyway so i go in and they do a bunch of blood work and it comes back that I now have type 2 diabetes. So when I was pregnant with our youngest, I had gestational diabetes. And they did tell us that I had a higher risk of having diabetes later in life, but my sugar level has always been pretty normal. And we quit drinking pop like years ago. We'll have one once in a while. (laughs) Yeah, I am a little bit out of breath. Anyway, we, we don't regularly drink pop. We may get a wild hair and be like, "Yeah, hey, let's go get a Pepsi." And then even then, it's still not a big one. No, my biggest downfall even, is probably like Starbucks and the sugary drinks that I like there. But well, speaking of sugar, what was the the other coffee place? Not Scooters, but the one that their large coffee was the same amount oh, of sugar. Oh, Dunkin'. Was the same amount of sugar as a dozen donuts. Yeah. It was a thirty-two ounce. That's incredibly disgusting. So there you go. Don't, now you don't know what not to, to get. Yeah. Anyway, so back up to last May, and there's a plane overhead. <laughs> back up to last May, diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. I decided that I was not going to let that define me or stop me, and they were not going to put on my chart that I was diabetic. I'm not going on medicine, nothing. So we got out and we walked, and we, I don't even know how many miles we trekked last year. We did a lot of strenuous hikes. We did a lot of this path that we're on right now. Every night we would come after work, no matter what time it was, and we would walk between two and three miles. And then on the weekends, we would push ourselves at least one of the days, but towards the end of summer, we were doing both Saturday and Sunday. And we'd do anywhere between like three and five miles. So we stuck to this, we changed the way we ate. Steven lost 20 pounds. I lost 15 pounds. I would say overall. And I walked a lot during the day, too, at my job. Well, yeah, that was your busiest time of year, too. I was work, averaging so. between 
maybe what five, six thousand, and ten thousand steps a day. Yeah. Well, yeah, you were doing over ten a lot of times there. But I, I would say our overall health improved. I was sleeping better, feeling better, less joint aches with my fibromyalgia. Well, I would say overall health-wise, mental health-wise, we were doing pretty great. I, I think in some ways, maybe this is just me. Uh, when you get your body in a certain track, like working out, and it becomes regimental, it knows, okay, now I need to shut down and go to sleep. Versus when you don't, right. and everything's chaotic, your sleep schedule gets thrown off, and it's like, I don't know when to go to sleep. So that... Yep that incites basically a riot within your body and it's like your sleep schedule gets thrown off your eating habits get thrown off just your whole life and they say it takes over is it 28 days or longer than that i think it's 28 days before something becomes a habit so we started this in may and we did it literally every single day until at least the end of october what's that make you then we've been together for 24 years i'm a habit you're my habit (laughs) my habitual hard habit to break anyway so it became a habit and it became our lifestyle we didn't just diet we actually changed our lifestyle completely and we felt pretty great by the end of the year so come november time change happens you know the normal every year daylight savings time crap and we tanked i think we went to your brothers for thanksgiving and from that weekend on I don't think we walked one weekend. We pretty much just hibernated when we weren't at home. We were still busy, especially you. You still have your same schedule. We're super busy. But by the time he gets home in the evenings, nobody wants to come out and do this in the dark and the freezing cold. So we gave up. So now, I don't know what my results are yet. I just had my yearly follow-up again. And I know my A1C is going to be up. I know my cholesterol is going to be up. My blood pressure was up a little bit. I've undone all the work that I worked so hard for last year. So we have been, I've been listening to podcasts and I don't know, inspirational, motivational stuff, life-changing, self-development, life lesson type stuff. And I shared one with you this morning that was, it's a Mel Robbins podcast, but she had on Dr. Mark Hyman, and I think the book was Forever Young Yeah, is his most recent one. But there's another Lewis Howes one I listened to last week who, the guy that was on, I can't think of his name right now, um, but it's Eat to Beat Disease or Eat to Beat whatever it was. It's basically disease in your body. So for us, we're listening to all this stuff and we're thinking... I don't know. I guess it's a wake-up call again. Look at how how much better we felt last year when we were doing all this stuff. But we're learning that functional medicine, which is who Dr. Mark Hyman is a functional uh, provider instead of a regular medical physician, that our bodies have the ability within themselves to heal us. So why are we not taking advantage of that? We have all the tools necessary to do this for ourselves. The tricky part is finding your your niche. What works for you? What like I I'll, I'll use an example. I don't I don't like peas, but I'll eat them. I know they're good for me. So some of that's a mental mental trickery. You have to 
but also I've never been a picky eater. There are, there are a lot of, there are some things I should say a lot that I just, I don't like, but I'll eat them. And I tell my wife, I'm like, Hey, she's like, do you want peas? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Just put them in whatever. I'll eat them. So it's, it's just one of those, like the, the, the knowledge of knowing the, the health benefits outweighs my palate. Does that make sense, Amy? Yep. And when they're so, talking about, and I don't think about it either. I just like, yeah, give me a, yeah, a spoonful of peas. I don't care. Yep. But you don't stop to think. Each and every one of those foods has the ability to heal you from the inside out. And when he said that by changing the way you eat and doing away with like the gluten, the dairy, all the white products basically that are killing our good bacteria, all the processed foods can can obliterate disease entirely but some even cancers and more serious medical conditions or terminal conditions by up to 80 some percent i think it's time we wake up and listen and for me (laughs) that's all the motivation i needed i mean i'm tired of being stagnant and sad and stuck and just not feeling like myself and I'll let you talk a little bit about the show that we found. It's Chris Hemsworth. It's called Limitless. What channel was it on? It is on the Disney Plus app, but it's through National Geographic. So it was, uh, the premise was Chris Hemsworth was more or less hired to do the show to test his physical and mental, probably emotional limits to prove that if you alter your way of living all the way around, you there's the potential to extend your life. By like, he started off with, because of stress. Yeah. Is just a, like, what are the effects of stress doing on our body? How is it um, decreasing our longevity by how many years? Yeah. So it would do certain, we we're up to, there's only six episodes, but we watched four of them. And each of the four episodes basically was, um, like the first one was a psychological um, stress. Like in the the lady, I don't remember her name, but she was a psych doc that dealt with stresses and the tricks that you can do in your mind to, like for, for example, this episode, he, his end goal, his end test was to go, I don't remember the, it was high rise down in Australia, to walk out onto a crane, obviously with, with a guide wire so he didn't fall, but there's a whole mental aspect like breathing in the box pattern, four by four, and telling your body or your brain, basically when you, when you set out to accomplish something and your body's like, your fire fight signals kick in like well that's too dangerous I can't do that when really it's not so you that have was a way to control your mind so that you can get out of that fight or flight response and still function use that adrenaline for good instead of the bad cortisol you know and, I, and actually I was thinking last night, I didn't I forgot to tell you so when I was in Oregon years ago uh, I was on my way to the ocean um, there was a particular historical highway but there's a bridge that crossed. It was, I think, the Blue Star Memorial Highway. And I'm walking over to the bridge across the parking lot. And I start to see this. It basically sat atop 
a chasm. Like it was a good 300 plus foot drop. And I could see it. I could see the edge, the lip of the drop off. And my legs start feeling wobbly. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And I'm walking along, also my knees buckle. And I almost fall to the ground. And I'm like, no, get back up and walk over to that edge and take a look down. Now, for someone that's never had like the loss of motory skill, like my, my knees buckle, my legs got all I do. wobbly, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure what was going on. So, I totally have a fear of heights. I forced myself to get back up just for that brief moment of incapacitation. And I walked over and I looked down. And I guess, I mean, it was a, it was a small victory because it's like I was experiencing something I had never done before. And I had no mental notion of what was going to happen. I was psyched up. It was beautiful. I was like, yeah, that's going to be cool. My body response was that's a 350 foot hole what if you fall in because the funny part is they actually had signs posted to keep your children and pets on leashes at all times <laughs> how about adults that have legs that buckle underneath them <laughs> so in watching that first episode with chris hemsworth on oh, that yeah. uh, uh crane that brought back that memory i'm like wow that was kind of me but not years ago when i was trying to look down this Grand Canyon-sized chasm. Now, it wasn't that big, but my brain or my body <clears throat> felt that it was. And it was trying to tell me, hey, bonehead, be careful what you do. You could fall. But and that's I, was, those... I wasn't even up to the edge yet. No, it was but like... that's what those triggers are set for is to... Our bodies are built to warn us when we perceive fear or stress and to protect ourselves. But... Sometimes they're irrational or sometimes they are way beyond the scope of what they need to be or we take it that way. So we're like, ooh, we have that first signal of like panic or fear. We better turn around and go back because it's protecting me. So I need to stay here within my safe zone. Not true. Well, then another, are we going to stop at our usual bench lady? Sure. Catch your breath for a minute in case you haven't heard us huffing. (laughs) This is our stretching bench. So another, Another time in that same trip there. I was, like I said, on my way to the West Coast Ocean up in Oregon, and I'm hugging this mountain, not, not physically, but in the, the car I had rented. In that particular mountain area um, was logging, and I was climbing up the side of the mountain in my car, just kind of hugging it around the curve, and two things happened, three things actually. I saw the horizon where there was no land, it was all ocean panic attack set in and then all of a sudden i see a logging truck coming at me now that road was barely big enough for the both of us and my heart started fluctuating and i was like oh god oh god and but so all of this is going on i'm watching you know the the road disappear with underneath me and turn into ocean and horizon and then the logging truck and before i knew it it was over and i was like wow that's twice now that I just, my body was reacting, and I was perfectly safe. I was okay as long as I stayed within my lane, and the things around me didn't change, and so yeah, it was it was kind of freaky. I've never had an environmental issue like that impact me, 
And I, I will say, I think the water aspect, I've always been a tad bit hydrophobic. Like, I don't like to swim where I can't see my feet. Oh, my God. Let's back up a second to the show last night, Limitless, like with Chris Hemsworth, like we're talking about, on that episode. Was it Navy SEALs that trained them? Well, the Australian version. Yeah. So, basically, they're in Australia, but it's basically the version of the Navy SEALs that would train them to do these, I would call them psychological torture experiments but it's to induce stress like intense stress and then have them work their way through it so he's talking about being hydrophobic i am not as much i know how to swim i'm not really afraid of the water unless like something major happens and you're way out there in the middle of nowhere okay uh we watch all kinds of scary movies terrifying torture whatever nothing gets to me like that however this episode they had there's a bunch of motorcycles and trucks going by too sorry for the audio today but we wanted to make this real and you know maybe encourage you a little bit on your journey too with all the sights and sounds of actually being outside instead of sitting home and just talking about it on our butts so anyway back to the water so what they did was they bound there's going to be another plane so hang on just a second here so they took Chris Hemsworth and explained this experiment to him, and it was just a swimming pool. No big deal. They started off in the swimming pool. However, what they did was they bound his hands and his feet, and then he goes into the water. And they have him do different kinds of experiments where he has to dive down, he has to do... you remember what all they had him do? I, I don't... Like several, like, he had, to, he had to float, he had to... Um, sink to the bottom and push back up 20 times. Do somersaults. But that last one, they were having him swim, but he had to stay under for longer and he kind of got, his anxiety started kicking in because remind you, we're going to remind you that your hands and your feet are all bound and you're underneath the water. You had to swim like a, an armless mermaid, basically. Yeah. And even though he was strong and he's taken all these you know things to help him with his anxiety and work through he has a lot of willpower he was freaking out and they said you actually failed the mission you would have died i have freaked out before i even got in the water well watching that i was actually starting to feel anxious so then they they go through some uh, mindfulness exercises teach him how to breathe they explain all these things on how to control your mind and then they repeat the the exercises again so the second time, even though he was doing better and he passed the exercises, my body was responding as if I was in the water. And I actually put the blanket over my head. I have never done that in my entire life on any movie we have ever watched. But watching him, knowing that I would not be able to move, control my breathing, and probably drown because I was panicking so much, I just, I, that's not for me. No. But look at where he was able to go with that. I mean... He worked through it and passed the test the second time. He had a little bit mental um, awareness, like the ability to yeah. relax. And the thing about it, too, is in that moment when you're struggling, you, and even though there's people around you, you're not going to feel like you're going to be saved, even though there's people standing there. Yeah, he knew and he wasn't going to drown. So I think you can't... I think in that moment, you're like, ooh, they're going to save me at any minute now. And meanwhile, they don't. You had to get to that point in your mind where you become self-sufficient. Like, 
I'm okay. I'm okay. And, and I'm... You, you know, you just had to get past that. But each of us are going to have a different struggle. And I'm not naturally drawn to water. I don't, I don't naturally go like, ooh, let's go swimming. I'm like, hey. I'm, I'm more of an earthen, like, put me in the middle of the woods. Let me... Mountains. Build a fort. I, I can appreciate the ocean and its awesomeness and its expansiveness. And From its, a distance. And its power. <laughs> but I don't, like crave to be in the water unless it's a hot bath or you know nice shower before we're riding and i think that ties into like our whole life i wasn't going to make this about trauma (laughs) i was going to make this about just doing better overall with our health trauma train part two (laughs) that's right but there is a mind body spirit connection to every single thing we do so just like i talked about on my podcast yesterday we all have a, a singular blueprint to follow that nobody else has we are coded differently than everybody else. Our body responds differently to foods, to stress, to everything in our life. So just like those reactions, we have to come to a point where we realize that no one else is coming to save me. Now, I have a, a husband who has come to save me emotionally, spiritually, physically a million times since we've been together. But that's not to say that he can fix everything for me. I have to do that myself. So when you're talking about your body, that also applies to your mind. You have to be able to control those thoughts, get yourself out of that headspace, get back on course, and take control of your thoughts and your and your mind and your life. And the, and the overlying question is though, how do you get there? And I'll, I'll equate that real quick to when we write. Um, I when I write, I can't. I can't listen to anything vocal. There's nothing with lyrics or... It's always instrumental. It's, you know, it's it's stuff like that. So, um, when I write, I try to, ahead of time, I'll find something that I know will work. And I close my eyes, hopefully stay awake. And I clear my mind that way. And then, when when I'm done with that segment and I feel like I'm all good, then I start to write. But there are sometimes, like... Two Fridays ago, everything was out of whack. Was we that were, when my computer crashed we too? We were struggling. I couldn't concentrate. Our puppies were barking and driving us nuts in the next room. And it was just, it was the kind of chaos that nothing good can come from that. And Sadie's computer had shot craps. It was, like I said, I think at the end, there was an update that just caused her system to crash. It restarted and I think things were kind of okay, but... Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't overtax it with, you know, stuff. But I think, you know, if you had to jump on quick and do something, I think you'd probably be okay. But to have ten to fifteen tabs open, or this or that, or a spreadsheet, which I do with my creative <laughs> genius mind, I have to have all those tabs open in order to get my stuff done. So, but that's kind of what life is. We have to learn to work through those. Like we let that night overcome us. We gave up, and it was easier to say. Let's just Screw stop. this. <laughs> Let's go to the couch. Put on something dumb. Fall asleep on the couch. Well, and the sad part about that night was right there towards the end. Do that too? Sure. Okay. My brain had finally decided to kick in. It had pushed past the chaos that was going on in the other room. And so I, I got to where I needed to stop. And because I don't, I don't ever, I don't think I ever have stopped in the middle of a chapter. 
But I got to the end of the chapter. I flipped my chair around. We, I got Sadie, you know, sort of back up and running. But by then it was already midnight. I think it was one o'clock in the morning when. Well, when we exercise, go, I watched a guy on a bike go by, and I said exercise instead of wind down. You ordered, I think. Did we order your computer that night too? Yep. It was that the next day? I don't know. Next, probably was that night. So. Yeah, I think it was. Sometimes, when things are going on and you just can't, there's no amount of mindfulness that you can do. Sometimes you just got to walk away from the situation until reset. He's like, all right, I, I got to go somewhere else for a minute. So that I can get some clear thoughts going on in my head. Because kind of like when you don't eat, you get kind of hangry and fussy. And you, you got to separate yourself from the picture that you're in. Otherwise, it's just going to make things go bad. Or, you know, if you skip meals when you're a type 2 diabetic. <laughs> and then by the time your husband picks you up after work, like yesterday. Why are you mad? Fix your face. <laughs> I wasn't mad at all. I was... A blubbering idiot who could barely stand up and speak sentences. Why are you on the floor? Pick yourself up. <laughs> nah, that's my job. So this episode was meant to be a quick one. Just kind of a talk to you while we're walking. And I encourage <coughs> you. I mean, if we can do it, you guys can do it. No matter what stage you're in, no matter what you're dealing with. We've seen people out here. Last year, we followed this couple. We brought our golden doodle out here, Bella, with us. And she kept wanting to mess with this guy in front of us. And I'm like, Bella, stay back here. Well, he eventually would turn around with his wife. And he was wanting her to come towards him. And he kept saying, I have cats at home, but I really love her. I have cats at home, but she really makes me feel good. And she just wanted to be next to him. And we finally let her as we caught up to him. And I think we ended up finding out that he had just had surgery. He was TBI. recovering from either a traumatic brain injury or a stroke. And just the the connection with nature, like, it was well, beautiful out. And his wife was out walking him very slowly. But I think Bella picked that up, too. Yeah, our dog sensed that. And she wanted to be next to him. She wanted to fix him. She wanted to help him. So rely on the elements around you. And we just, the podcast we were listening to earlier talked about... If loneliness as a disease as serious as heart disease and cancer. Well, yeah, when you think about all the chemicals that are involved. Yep. When you become depressed and find yourself neck deep in a hole that you can't climb yourself out of. Which is a lot despair. of what I've been going through this winter. Some of it was for no reason. I mean, it, I'm not saying it was for yeah, no reason. Yeah, but your body reason. doesn't know that. No, my body reacted like I'm back in, you know, trauma situation. Back in Nam and... <laughs> It didn't have a reason to other than it was dark outside and it was... Although I think that trauma has a way of finding its way back and teaching you to do better and learn more. So anyway, the, the connection with loneliness was that... They, I don't remember what the years were, but basically if you get your stuff together and you start eating right and moving and doing all these things, you can eradicate heart disease and cancer... And it, there was a, a number that he used, a number of years that it extends your life. Seven, I think. It was under seven. And then loneliness. If you fix the loneliness factor, the depression factor, and you bring in a sense of community and friendship and support, it extended your life even further than that, seven to nine years. And for me, 
Stephen and I do like almost everything together. You've got a few friends outside of work, but we, neither one of us have close connections to anybody on a consistent basis anymore. And thanks to COVID, a lot of that happened too, where people just separated and nobody's really come back together like they were. But the closest connection I've had recently brought me to tears yesterday. It was my doctor. I had my doctor's appointment and she started talking about the anxiety and depression that comes with menopause and all that. She ends up turning her chair and saying, you know what, I'm just gonna unload because I trust you and you're here and tells me about her situation and why she's anxious. And I had to do a urinalysis because of the diabetes to check for sugar and stuff. So she didn't wanna wait for the nurse and takes me in the bathroom to get a peek up. No problem, she hands it to me. She starts talking about her life. I'm talking about my life. She ends up closing the door to the bathroom and we stood in the bathroom and talked like best friends for 25 minutes. In the, in the bathroom. And then when she's, and she, they're actually moving to Germany here in a few months. So that's probably the last time I'm going to get to see her. But she asked me if it was weird that she was going to miss that connection. And I realized that there's this complete, pretty much stranger other than being my physician that took time out of her day, no matter, you know how many other patients are sitting in rooms mad because the doctor's running late? And she's in a bathroom <laughs> having a personal conversation with me. And then hugged me when she left. And I, I left there almost in tears because I'm like, that's what I'm missing. I am really missing that connection. And I do feel lonely. You work more hours than you've ever worked before. We get fueled by Paul and Chris, your brother and sister-in-law, when we go down to Missouri. And we get, you know, filled up. We get that connection. I go home being, feeling like I'm full, you know. And then we go months in between where we don't have it again. And it's, I don't know. I think there's a, a definite connection there to your mental health. So, it's not even mental health or wellness month. But, you know what, every month should be that, you That's would right. think. Because, you know, you got to take care of you. I feel like I'm in, I was been in the negative all winter. So now I'm just trying to get up myself to ground zero. And I, actually, I feel like since yesterday i have gotten myself back up to ground zero so hopefully this is the catalyst that pushes us past that and good morning and it's you know that time of year is starting to get nice out we just spent all winter long hibernating which is where i packed back on 10 of my 20 pounds yep so me too it's time to start over you can and always push the reset button it's never too late you're never too old start over Enjoy life. Find new places to explore. That's the thing for me is even though last year we walked probably every night at the same place, it was a routine. And I don't, I get bored easily with certain things, but this place captivated me in a way like, let's go to our place. And then when it was wintertime, if we happened to drive, I was like, hey, look, there's a place we used to walk. And so here we are end of March, beginning of April, we're back in our new spot, play our, our old spot we used to walk, it's familiar, it's an old friend, but in saying that, don't be afraid to reach in a different direction and explore different places, but at the same time, be prepared, don't do like we did last year, and, <laughs> West Oak, yeah, 
don't go prepared. Don't bring a baggie of like four Oreo cookies, some nuts, uh, two Oreos, and and a bottle of water between you. Yep. Go prepared. And but at the same time, live in the moment. Enjoy yourself. Allow those good hormones to pump through your body. Bring a friend, or I, I would admonish you to bring somebody with you, for the simple fact that if something happens, you have that second person with you for safety, first aid, encouragement, uh, support, mental. Come on, you can get up that hill. You're not going to die. I promise. <laughs> you know your your phone will only go so far. That's right. Hi. And you know. Yes, music will help, but having that person in front of you, beside you, behind you, in front of you, that's kicking the butt. Say, come on, let's go. You could do it. One more, one more, one more. We all need that one more coach in our lives to say, you do not have to stay put. Keep moving. Keep your feet one foot in front of the other. Same way with the trauma. You do not have to live in your trauma. You do not have to live in someone else's shadow. One more, one more, one more. Yep. Let's go. You're my coach for that. One more, let's go. Anyways, Stephen St. Clair. Sadie K. Frazier. Signing off. See you on the flip side. Peace out.